This morning we continue to read from Matthew chapter 22 beginning in verse 34. When the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Now, while the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them this question. What do you think of the Messiah? Whose son is he? They said to him, the son of David. He said to them, how is it then that David by the Spirit calls him Lord, saying, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. If David thus calls him Lord, how can he be his son? No one was able to give him an answer. Nor from that day did anyone dare to ask him any more questions. This is the word of God for the people of God. It was an older couple. They had had a health event, which had put them in the hospital. Then they came home. I was still an associate pastor. I went to make a visit with them once they got home from the hospital. They were warm and gracious and invited me in. So I went in. We had a seat. She said, would you like a cup of tea? I said, sure. She went to the kitchen to fix some tea. That's when he decided it would be a great idea to talk to the associate pastor about faith and finances. He said, you guys are all alike. All you want to do is get in my pocket. I was a little bit stunned. I I, I said, what? I'm I'm not sure I know what you mean. He said, all you're all trying to do is get me, get me to give you my money. I said, why do you think that? He began to tell me about a former pastor he had had at another church in another town. And he said, that brother, all he did was talk about money. You know, he asked us for money every year. I said, did he? It was clear as we continued to talk that he had very little understanding of biblical stewardship. Very little understanding of Christian theology in terms of how we see God as creator of all and how we are stewards or trustees of the resources God's entrusted to us and a part of the call on our lives is to give a portion of that back to God through the church for the work of Christ in the world. When we are Christians, we understand that God is at work in the world and we get to be a part of that to help make the world a better place in the name of Christ. I think that gentleman had missed the main basis for our giving in the Christian tradition. At its best, Christian giving is all about relationships of love. In our reading, Jesus puts giving in the context of love of God and love of neighbor the text this morning gives us another 
example of this question and answer, this conversation or controversy that Jesus is having with the leaders of the faith of his time. This time it's the Pharisees, Matthew tells us. This particular Pharisee, who was also a lawyer, is asking Jesus a question. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? Jesus says to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment, and a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Love of God and love of neighbor. Everything hangs on love of God and love of neighbor, Jesus says. He gives us just that quick a summary of his understanding of faith, of the faith he's grown up with, that now he's sharing with others. In the Christian tradition, this has become known as the great commandment. It's to guide and direct us in all we say and do. Jesus says everything hangs on this, all of our life and all of our faith. The whole idea is when we have received God's love and align ourselves with God's love, that it begins to change and transform us. And when we begin to receive that love and then share it with others, we have found the sweet spot of life. Living and loving relationships, Jesus says, is what this is all about. In fact, in Christian theology, salvation is all about recognizing or acknowledging God's love been offered to us in Christ and receiving that love and committing to returning that love to God and also living out of that love for the rest of our lives. John Wesley called it growing in love or growing in grace. That as God continues to pour love into us, we don't just hang on to it, but it comes into our hearts and our lives, and then we share it with others. The Gospels say it leads to abundant life and eternal life. It changes everything for the good in our lives. This receiving and giving love begins to transform you into the image of Christ. As I was thinking about this all this week, I thought perhaps the most formational experience I've ever had of this outside of the church is love in marriage. Mary and I met each other when we were young. We celebrated 38 years of marriage last August. But something I've noticed over the years is I not only love her, but I want to love what she loves. It's a common experience for us these days where we'll be having a discussion about something, trying to make a decision, and she expresses her perspective and Mine's different. I express mine. We talk about it back and forth. And before long, we realize we're at an impasse. We have different perspectives on this. So we take a little break, take a few hours, maybe a day or two, and then come back together to talk about it more. And almost always, more often than not, it goes like this. One of us will say, you know, I've been thinking about what you said, and I think you're right. I want to do it your way. And the other one of us will start laughing because we'll say, 
really? Because I've been thinking about it, and I want to do it your way. We still are at an impasse. We're still on opposite sides, but we've switched positions. But I think that grows out of our great love for each other and wanting good for our partner, wanting to bless our partner, wanting our partner to have health and happiness and goodness alive in their lives. We are shaped and formed by what we love. Great love shapes and forms us and changes our perspective. Jesus says that's the way faith works, is this love of God. When we begin to love God and love what God loves, that it changes our perspective. It changes who we are. It transforms us into one who radiates the love of God that we've come to know through Jesus Christ. Jesus says it all hangs on love of God and love of neighbor. This is the greatest commandment, the greatest directive, the greatest direction any of us can receive to live in love, to stay open to the love of God in our lives and then be ready to share it with others. Love is a great basis for our giving as well because God's love frees us, forgives us of our sins, we said in the affirmation earlier. It frees us from the fear of sin and death. It gives us meaning. It provides the presence and purposes of God alive in our lives. It brings hope and joy and meaning, direction. All come from the love of God. My experience observing Christians for a long time, when somebody really receives that love of God, they want more of that. They want more love pouring into their lives, and they're ready to share more love with other people. This great love of God, it just continues to flow out upon us and change us and form us. Therefore, when it comes to giving, we want to give back so that love grows in us, but also outside of us and flows into the lives of others. I want to spread that kind of love. I want to spread the joy and the hope and the healing. I want to spread the inspiration and the encouragement and support that comes from Christ when we recognize that God is loving us day in and day out, minute to minute, that God wants nothing but good to come to us. I want everyone to know the great love of God revealed to us in and through Jesus Christ. So when it comes to giving, making decisions about my financial resources and how I use them, I want to give back to the church. I want Boston Avenue Church to be that place where people come and experience this great love of God. I want them to have hope and meaning and joy. I want them to experience healing within a supportive and encouraging Christian community. I want to be a part of that. It has changed my life, and I believe it can change theirs as well. But sometimes when we try to describe it, it just gets confusing. But this week I was reading some of our great theologians writing about faith and love and this love of God. 
and love of neighbor. Thomas Aquinas is seen perhaps as the greatest theologian of all time. He wrote back in the 1200s. He was a priest and a professor and a prolific writer, wrote hundreds of books. Mostly in seminary, you study the theological things he has written. But unusually, he was also a writer of poetry. I want to read you one of his poems. Sometimes poetry can be a little more evocative and help us seize this idea of how this love works. This one he called All Things Desire. All things desire to be like God. An infinite space is a mirror that tries to reflect God's body, but it can't. All that infinite existence can show us of God is only an atom of God's being. All things desire to be like God. All things desire to love. Meister Eckhart was another great theologian, came in the generation after Aquinas, was a Dominican priest, preacher, Got promoted, became a supervisor, wrote many sermons, many works on theology, but he too wrote some poetry. One of his is called, How Long Could It Flirt? How long can the moth flirt near the mouth of the flame before their lips touch and the moth's soul becomes like sun, like a sun? And does the moth then die? No. In serving God, one is transformed into God. What lovers would return to us? What lovers would not unite beyond belief and annihilate their separation forever if they had the power to do so? That power our Lord has. How long do you think you can flirt with God before you dissolve into ecstasy? existence spins on God's potter's wheel all is being shaped into the divine what lovers would not want to die embraced another one from Eckhart all day long a little burrow labors sometimes with heavy loads on her back and sometimes just with worries about things that bother only burrows and worries, as we know, can be more exhausting than physical labor. Once in a while, a kind monk comes to her stable and brings her a pear. But more than that, he looks into the burrow's eyes and touches her ears. And for a few seconds, the burrow is free and even seems somehow to be laughing because love does that love sets us free Catherine Siena came the generation after Eckhart she began having visions of Christ when she was six years old she dedicated herself to love of God and love of neighbor became a nun she died young, but as she was teaching and helping others, being a spiritual guide, she also wrote some poetry. I want to read you a couple of hers. Strange that so much suffering 
It's caused because of the misunderstanding of God's true nature. God's heart is more gentle than the Virgin Mary's first kiss upon the Christ child. And God's forgiveness to all, to any thought or act, is more certain than our own existence. And she wrote one called Consumed in Grace. She says, I first saw God when I was a child, six years of age. The cheeks of the sun were pale before the radiance of God. And the earth acted as a shy girl like me. Divine light entered my heart from God's love that did never fully wane. Though indeed, dear, I can understand how a person's faith can at times flicker. For what is the mind to do with something that becomes the mind's ruin? A God that consumes us in divine grace. I have seen what you want. It is here, beloved. A beloved of infinite tenderness and then this last one from Aquinas it's short he wrote I have a cause we need those don't we otherwise the darkness and the cold gets in and everything starts to ache my soul has a purpose it is to love if I do not fulfill my heart's vocation I suffer Paul writes about love and his first letter to the Corinthians he devotes a whole chapter chapter 13 to it I commend it to your reading I'm not going to read the whole thing here this morning but he says basically without love we gain nothing in life without love he says we're like a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal love is at the heart of everything the gospel says great love and giving go together one of the most effective ways to express our love is when we combine our gifts to do the work of god in the world to share and proclaim that love to any and all who are in need. When we are sharing that love, we are being the church which Christ has established to do this work in the world to which we have committed ourselves to if we've made a profession of faith. Can you hear God's call in your life to let love grow and to bubble up and to fill you and to overflow into the lives of others? Beverly Smith is our administrative board chair. She shared a, a devotion with us earlier uh, this month. She says she remembers when she was a young adult, a Sunday school teacher had them get their checkbooks out. Now she said we might have to update that and say our online bank statement. But then the teacher asked, does that reveal who you are and your values? Does that reveal what you love? 
Richard Wamsley is our vice chair of our administrative board. He was here at the pulpit just a few weeks ago sharing about why he and his wife Meredith give to the church. It could be the basis for all of us in terms of our giving. If you were here, you remember what he said. Right off, he said, we give because we love this church. Love of God, love of neighbor, love of family and friends. It's a great reason to be a giver, to participate in the work of God, is to participate in the work of love in the world. I pray that it may be so for all of us to experience that love in this church and want to give it back so others too may know the great love of God in Jesus Christ. May the love of God surround you. May the love of God carry you as you go forth. Amen. And thanks be to God.